this room is full of people who want to lift high the name of Jesus on a college campus. Can I get an amen? amen? I mean, come on. That's encouraging. At least that's encouraging for me. Um, guys, my name is Colin. Uh, I am on staff here with Salt Company, and this is like the first normal rhythm salt company. So maybe you came on Friday to our kickoff, and we love the kickoff. We love being at Kaufman. Uh, we love doing Salt Company on Fridays, but this is what we do every week. Eight o'clock, Profile Event Center. It, it's, it's cool, it, kind of. It's like weird a little bit, uh, but guys, we love it here, so I just want to invite you back. And if you're new, like if this is your first or your second time at at Soul Company, I just want to say thanks for being here. Th thanks for uh, joining us, and especially if uh, like church or uh, a ministry type experience is new to you, I just want to say you're you're welcome here. You're welcome to to figure out to figure it out here. If you don't know the words to the songs, that's okay. Just want to welcome you back and and want you to know that you can be a part of the Salt Company uh, family. I'm I'm just gonna get my timer going really quick. I forgot to do that. Um, otherwise, I will I will for sure run long if not. Um, guys, uh, I was welcomed into the Salt Company family four years ago when I was a college student. So when I was sitting in your seats, I was welcomed into the Salt Company family, and God used Salt Company to just change my life. And it was awesome, but it wasn't always easy, right? Like sometimes God has to just like work through some things in your life. He did that in my life, uh, but it was so worth it in the end, so worth it in the end. And one of the ways God used to shape me the most was this book, was God's word, was the, was the Bible. And so tonight we're going to be in Luke 18. So if you have a Bible or a phone, would invite you to open that up to Luke 18. Um, and as you turn there, I'm, I'm not really sure where you're at, like where you're at in, in your walk with Jesus, if you would consider yourself a Christian or not, but I'm guessing you're in the room for one of two reasons. One, either your friend was incredibly compelling to get you here, and, and if that's the case, turn to them, and, and I just want you to know they love you a lot, and so say thank you. Uh, but I would guess for the majority of you, you're in this room, no matter where you're at, because you want to hear from God. You, you believe God's voice matters, and you want to hear from him, and here's what we believe at Salt Company, is that God's voice, like the actual voice of God is revealed in his word. So we love the Bible at Saul Company. We, we teach from the Bible, so I want you to hear, as I teach, I actually want you to hear the word of God tonight. Um, and so we're going to continue on what, what Drake started at the kickoff in, in our series called Come and See. It's on the screen, and, and here's our goal, is we're going through a couple stories in the book of Luke, and, and we just want you to, hey, come and see who the person of Jesus is. And maybe you've known Jesus for a long time, and maybe this, this whole thing is new to you, come, come and see who Jesus is like by, by hearing the stories that we teach through um, and, and learning more about the character of Jesus. All right, Luke 18. We're going to start in verse 18. So if you're there with me, follow along. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. Here's what it says. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Don't we... Don't we all want the answer to this question? Like, if God exists, if life after death exists, then isn't this like the most important question 
we could ask ourselves. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Man, we, we need to ask ourselves this question. What I want you to know is it's actually an even more profound question than you even think. Because in the first century, this ruler is absolutely asking, how do I gain this life after death? But he's also asking, how do I gain this eternal life right now? How do I live the good life? How, how in this life is my soul going to be satisfied? So, so the ruler is asking a lot more than just life after death. He is asking that, but he's also asking, how do I find rest for my soul? And here's what's going to happen tonight is that the undisputed most influential man in history, whether you believe in Christianity or not, the undisputed most influential man in history is going to answer that question for us. And here's what we believe at Salt Company is that Jesus, he is God. Jesus is God in the flesh. He holds the world in his hands and he is in control of your next breath. And that man is going to answer this question for us tonight. But, but here's... The sad reality is that I think a lot of people in this room think they know the answer to that question, but have it wrong. Like, you've heard things about Jesus, you've, other people have told you what Jesus has said, but you haven't maybe done the work of digging and really understand what, how Jesus answers this question, how God himself answers this question. Here's, here's how I think about this a little bit. You guys know the Mandela effect. Like, not, not, not heads, if, if you know. Not, not many heads are nodding. Okay, here's what the Mandela effect is. It's remembering something that doesn't match historical records. Remembering something that doesn't match historical records. Maybe, maybe you'll be with me if I give you a few examples. Here are a few examples. Most common one. The Berenstein Bears, Okay. If you know the Mandela effect, you know it's not the Berenstein Bears, it's the Berenstain Bears. Yeah, some of you are with me. It's spelled at the end S-T-A-I-N, not S-T-E-I-N. Some of you are like, I don't even know what the Berenstain Bears are. I'm so lost. That's all right. I'll give you another example. Uh, the color chartreuse. What color comes to mind? I'm guessing for some of you, it's like a pink-like purple. Chartreuse is actually green. Um, yeah, I just heard a what? Are you sure? Um, think of your can favorite candy bar, Kit Kat. Think of the packaging. There's no hyphen in Kit Kat. It's just Kit Kat. That's kind of weird. I, I didn't, I, that was unexpected to me. Last one, last one. Um, square, delicious, from the, by the good Lord's grace, cheese crackers that are called Cheez-It, not Cheez-Its. Go home. I know you have them in your cupboard. There's no Z at the end of Cheez-Its. They are Cheez-It crackers, not Cheez-Its. Anyways, anyways, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Wow. Wow, okay. We like that. Um, okay, hard turn, hard turn, hard turn. I think some of you have experienced the Mandela effect with Christianity. That you think Christianity is something that doesn't match what Jesus says Christianity is. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. You think you know the answer, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is a foundational question of Christianity. But I think some of you don't know the answer to that question. 
And, and when we get the answer to that question wrong, we get all of Christianity wrong. Okay, so let's figure it out together. Let's go back to verse 18 of Luke 18. Here's what it says. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, who is God, said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. All right, we're going we're gonna to stop there. So what happens in the first part of this scene? Jesus says, hey, have you kept the commandments? And the ruler says, yeah, absolutely. So likely this, he's a Jewish man. He grew up religious. He, he's probably talking about like when he entered into adulthood at his bar mitzvah, he's kept all the commandments. He's been like a good going Bible memorizing church kid. He, he's a ruler, but he's not grimy and sneaky like we kind of think of rulers. He, he's a law-abiding, honest man. But what does Jesus say in verse 22? He says, one thing you still lack. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying is that following all the rules is not Christianity. Following all the rules is not Christianity, but I think a lot of us believe that it is. I think a lot of you were taught growing up like, man, I just got to be a, a good boy or a good girl and, and God will love me and I'm going to go to heaven. That the goal of Christianity is, kind of, is to come into a place like this with a really buttoned up version of yourself. I, I got it all together. I got my life figured out. Not, not only do I have like my academic life figured out, but I got my spiritual life figured out. I know what this is all about. And you've believed that, and so you've worked hard to keep up the appearance that you can somehow present yourself good enough for God. Like you've been told that Christian, man, you just got to keep your life together. That's what it's all about. Follow the rules. That's what it's all about. So how do you know if this is you? Just in your mind, answer the question, why are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian. Thanks for being here. Continue to listen. But for, but for those of you who would consider yourself a Christian, answer the question to yourself, why are you a Christian? Maybe it's, I grew up going to church. Or, my, my parents are Christians. I'm a Christian because my parents are Christians. Or, I'm, I'm a good kid. Like, I've always followed the rules. I, I've kept my life together for the most part. I'm a Christian, right? Like, that's what Christians do. The issue with all those answers is that they start with I. I have it together. I have always followed the rules. I've always gone to church. I've always associated with my parents, but the gospel, the good news that Jesus brings starts with God. But God has had mercy on you. And so if you answered the question, why am I a Christian, and your answer started with I, here's what I just want to challenge you with tonight. I'm not sure you're a Christian because you may not understand the good news that Jesus brings. Stay with me. We're, we're going to get to the good news that Jesus brings, but I'm going to add one more to the mix. And this is one I, I hear all the time, especially at Salt Company. Okay, and this one's maybe going to rub some people the wrong way. I have always been a Christian. Why are you a Christian? What? I've always been a Christian. 
That's just the only life that I've known. But know that I'm saying this out of love. Know I'm saying this out of love, that that is just simply not true. You cannot have been a Christian for your entire life. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Which means that at one point, every single person in this room, including myself, was far from God. Every single person in this room, at one point in your, like, in your life, was far from God. Not in your family's history, in your life, you were at one point far from God. And my fear is that some of you grew up going to church with loving parents. And I'm not questioning whether your parents loved you. I really think they do. But, but I think they told you, like, hey, we're Christians. And you just, like, believe that. See, you, your parents say, hey, we're, we're Christians. And so when you were asked, you're just like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Christian. I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. I believe in those things. And then at one point, someone told you, like, hey, Jesus died for your sins. And you're like, yeah, that's just part of the deal. That's like part of what I've always believed. But my fear is that you've never repented, which means you've never turned from your old life or it's turned from the fact that you were far from God. And I'm not saying there needs to be like a day or a specific moment, but it's incorrect to say that you've always been a Christian or that you've always been saved. Because we're born with this bent towards sin. Like we're born as sinners. Our tendency is to be selfish, self-seeking, consumed with pride, to worship created things, not the creator. So listen in here. This is going to be hard, but listen in. I, I love you enough to say hard things, truly. If you have never believed that at one point you were far from God, like if that's never been language that you have believed in, you are likely still far from God. Okay, I, I, we're going to get to the good news, so stay with me. But Salt Company, Christianity is not following all the rules. Christianity is not something you inherit. Christianity is not something that you could have believed in for your entire life. You can't believe when you're like a young kid, right? You're not self-aware enough to believe in things. So you could not have been a Christian for your entire life. So my question for you is, are you a Christian? Do you believe in the good news of Jesus? Let's, let's keep going. Here's what verse 22 says. When, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Really quickly, before we talk about what Jesus said, I want to talk about what Jesus didn't say. Okay, what didn't Jesus say? Hey, ruler, all you got to do, just believe in me and go. That's all you have to do. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says at all. Jesus doesn't say, hey, like, put your faith in me and go back to the way that you were living. He says the exact opposite. He says, hey, you came here living one way. Follow me and leave Leave that life behind. Leave the way you were living behind and live a different way. Jesus wasn't seeking the ruler's simple and empty conversion. Jesus wanted his heart. And Jesus wants your heart. 
but I think we're more similar to the ruler than we like to admit. Like every person in this room at one point, or maybe still is, just afraid of death. Because death is scary and unknown. And so what do we do? I mean, what do some of us do? We just call ourselves Christians. And we just say, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian. I put my faith in Jesus. Hell sounds really bad, so I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And we just call ourselves Christians as some sort of, like, hell insurance. We say, we say a prayer one time of, like, God, I don't want to go to hell, so uh, would you help me believe in you? And then we open our eyes and we continue to live our life the way we used to live it. We want to be like the ruler because we want to have treasure in heaven and we want to have treasure on earth. We want to live the life that we want to here on earth and still be in good standing with God. We want our life now and the eternal life that Jesus offers to come. What do we want? We want a changeless conversion. I want to become a Christian without changing my old life. But as we've already said, we have a bent towards sin. Our tendency is to sin. So does that make me a Christian if I just call myself a Christian and then keep living in sin? Let's see what Romans 6 says. It's not going to be on the screen, but here's what it says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? Like, I'm going to keep sinning because I know Jesus has grace for me, so it doesn't really matter. I'm going to keep sinning. Here's what Paul says. By no means. Let me translate that for you. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? No. Right? Like, Paul's like, Paul, that's like not even a category in Paul's mind, and it's not a category in your Bible for Jesus to be your Savior without Jesus also being your Lord. There's no biblical category for that being true. So the gospel is not just saying a prayer and leaving it at that. Christianity is not calling yourself, just simply calling yourself a Christian. Here's how I thought about this. I love the fall. Fall's football season. Uh, watch football on Saturday. Watch football on Sunday. Who's, who, okay, a little heavy. Who's excited about football season? I mean, come on. Okay, come on, come on. All right. Um, I love the Vikings. That one was a little tough. Uh, I love the Gophers. Um, so we'll use the Gophers for the sake of this illustration. Um, one of my favorite things about football season is you get to, to week two or week three. We're, we're in the range right now. And you start to learn who are real fans and who aren't. Right? Because like some people are like, yeah, huge Gopher football fan. Love the Gophers. Man, every Saturday I'm watching the Gophers. It's like, oh, awesome. Like, who's your favorite player? Yeah, yeah the guy who touches the ball. It's like, cool, okay. Uh, so we're not going to go names. That's maybe a little tough. What, like, what was your favorite play? You know, the one where we scored. It's like, hmm, super helpful. Really helpful for me to know. What's true about that person is they call themselves a fan, but they're not actually a fan. Because fans watch the game. Fans know the players. Here's what I'm saying calling yourself a Christian does not make you a Christian. So the gospel is not following all the rules, and the gospel is not just simply calling yourself a Christian. What is the gospel? What's the good news that Jesus offers? Let's keep reading. 
verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. So what was Jesus asking? Sure, Jesus was asking him to give up his money. Like, hey, sell all you have, give it to the poor. But what was Jesus really asking him? What was Jesus really after? I think Jesus really wanted to know, what do you love? Do you, do you love me? Well, why doesn't Jesus just ask the man that question? Let's picture that encounter. Here's what would have happened. He would have said, hey, ruler, how do, you inherit, how do I inherit internal life? He would have said, do you love me? He would have said, yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, I'd see you, man. Yeah, in heaven. And he would have gone back and continued to live the life that he was living before. Jesus is so much smarter than that. So, he asks him, he says, hey, go, sell your things and come and follow me. So why is the ruler sad? Because he realized maybe for the first time that he couldn't have the eternal life that Jesus offered and the life that he was living right now. He couldn't have both. He couldn't have the self-centeredness that was driving his wealth. He couldn't have, have the world for himself. He couldn't have all the pleasures that, that he could ever want in his wealth and the eternal life that Jesus offered. He just couldn't have both. And so Salt Company, what do you love? Do you love success? Do you love control? Do you love power? Do you love pleasure? Do you love clothes or shoes or your PlayStation do you love that boy or that girl that you met like two weeks ago? You laugh. Some of you are changing the way you're living because you, ha you have your eye on that person. What does Jesus say? If you want to follow me, you have to give up your old love. Here's what Jesus is exposing in the ruler and here's what I am telling you is that the thing you love is evidenced by the way that you live. Right? Because if the ruler didn't love his money, if the ruler really did love Jesus, the ask to sell his money would have been really easy because he didn't love it. Yeah, sure, take it. I want to follow you. I love you. I'm in your corner. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're living for really stupid things. Right, like, I'm just going to be honest with you. We're just living for really stupid things. And my fear is that if you don't evaluate what you love, you're going to spend your entire life living for really dumb things. And I don't want that for you. I hope you don't want that for you. So let's just take a step back. Let's just take a step back. Man, maybe some of you it is money. What happens to money when you die? It stays right where it is. Whatever bank account it's in, it stays right there. What happens to power when you die? Whatever power you have is given to someone else. What happens to pleasure when you die? It's the thing that you thought would satisfy you, didn't actually, and you leave this world 
with an empty pursuit. Soul Company, I don't want you to live for stupid things because here's what's true is you cannot live for stupid things and live for Jesus. Those two don't go together. So Soul Company, what would Jesus ask of you? Would he ask you to give up that job? Oh, wait, but, but then I'm going to lose my security. Man, love Jesus more than you love security. Would he ask you to drop out of school? Well, yeah, but then... But then I won't be successful. Well, you got to love Jesus more than you love success. That's what I want for you. And I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you have to go and act on those things right now. But what I am saying is we have to evaluate how you would re- respond if Jesus were to ask that of you tonight. I'm not Jesus. I'm not asking that of you. But I think it's worth evaluating how you would respond. Because here's what's true is Jesus absolutely asks us to live leave sin behind us when we become Christians. But here's what's also true is that Jesus asks us to leave our first love behind us when we follow him. He wants us to love him, which, which means we have to give up our old love. All right, I'm going to go back to uh, some of you, maybe in your freshman year, who have this new uh, girl or guy in your life that you have your eye on, Right? And uh, you're hoping that turns into something a little more serious. Maybe you got a high school breakup that, that still has a little wounds, wounds with it. And so you're looking for that new guy or that new girl to, to you know, kind of make you, make you feel a little bit better about yourself as you go into college. Um, so let's just say, hypothetically, um, I'm a guy, so I'm going to take guys, for example, that you, you have this new girl and you decide to take her on a date, right? You, you build up the courage, I'm going to take this girl on a date, um, how ridiculous would this be? How ridiculous would this be if you take this girl to the rest to a restaurant, nice restaurant, you're a romantic, obviously, um, and she's like, man, this place is so good. How'd you find it? Oh, uh, well, you know, my old girlfriend told me about it. But you're a romantic, right? So you're going to go to the ice cream shop. She's like, man, this hole-in-the-wall ice cream place has the best flavors. Where'd you find it? Oh, well, the girlfriend before that told me about it. Then you go watch the sunset, and you have flowers waiting. You're probably not at this point in the date, I'm just saying. (laughs) But let's say you are. She shows you a lot of grace. How did you find this beautiful place to watch the sunset over the skyline? Oh, well, I met this girl a week ago, and she said this was a great spot for a picnic. Okay, how ridiculous would that, like, like no one would ever, would ever do something as foolish as that. Why? Because a new significant other changes the way that we date. We don't date like we used to. It's all coming in the same way. A new love changes the way that we live. We can't love something new and live unchanged. When we love Jesus, we no longer live for our own insignificant kingdoms. We live for his eternally significant kingdom. And here's, what, here's what's true. is I'm guessing some of you are feeling really exposed tonight, but here is what's true is Jesus wants to expose us so that he can restore us. And here's what I want you to know is Jesus is seeking your love, but Jesus is not a narcissist. Jesus isn't seeking your love to fill some void that he has in his life. He's God. He's got everything he could ever want and more. 
He's God. So why does he want your love? Because he wants what's best for you. And he wants you to live the life that you were made for. What if you were made to love God? What if your entire life was for the purpose of knowing and loving God? Let me give you a few examples. You were created for community. We all want friends. What if you were created for community because you were made to have communion with God and others? You were created, like we all want purpose, right? We all want to have live significant lives. Well, what if you were created because in Christ you have the ultimate calling on your life? We all have a longing for family. Well, what if you were made that way because God wants to invite you into his? We all like pleasure. Maybe it's because at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. We like good food because God wants to feast with us in heaven. We like music so that we can enjoy the singing of songs of praise to him, right? I mean, what if you were made what if you were made to know and love God? I could go on with examples, but, but we don't have time. But I think all your desires, all the things that you're after in life can be found fully and completely and abundantly in the person of Christ. So how do we live this life? Or how, how do we, yeah, live this life of knowing God and living in his kingdom and being found in Christ? Let's go back to the text, verse 24. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, And who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. So what was the ruler trying to do. He was trying to gain eternal life through his morality, through being a good person. Then he was trying to gain eternal life by his conversion. But ultimately, he was trying to gain eternal life. But the message that Jesus brings is that God can do what you cannot do. You have no power to get yourself into the kingdom of God, but he has all the power to invite you in. The text says it is easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I've been around the church for a while. Um, people do funky things with this verse. Like, it's really, really hard. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Okay? No matter how hard you try, I don't think a camel would go through the eye of a needle. Um, then there's this other group of people that's like, yeah, but if you like look in history, uh, there's like the eye of the needle gate in Jerusalem and like all these weird things about unloading your treasure. Okay, uh, that's not true. There's no historical book that says that. So uh, it's just not true. Here's what Jesus is trying to communicate to you. He's using an illustration to say, you cannot enter the kingdom of God by yourself. But I can invite you in. But God has the power to change your first love and to bring you into the kingdom of God. So I'll come you. It is impossible for you to save yourself. Like before we were, you were a Christian, you were living on this hamster wheel of trying to find satisfaction and trying to gain God's approval or, or just trying to find something to fill the void of your soul. But God didn't leave us in this cycle. Instead, he left the presence of God to chase after you. He left the perfection of his kingdom to go into the brokenness 
of your kingdom. He left the satisfaction of heaven to join the tyranny of earth. He left the comfort of his throne for the cruelty of the cross. And he did all that to trade your brokenness, the brokenness of your kingdom for the glory of his. He took on death so that you could have life. That's the good news that Jesus brings. And it doesn't just stop there. It's not just good news so one day when you die, you can go to heaven. The good news of salvation is that Jesus has brought his kingdom here and the king was coronated and you can live in that kingdom now. All the things that you wait for in heaven. Like, You've been told, like, man, just wait until you get to heaven, and then you can know God. Man, here's what I want to tell you tonight. You can know God right now in this room because the kingdom of God has come near. That's the good news that Jesus brought. The kingdom of God has come near. So how do we experience this love and enter this kingdom? Faith. You believe that the kingdom has come near. You believe that loving Jesus is better than loving your kingdom. You believe that his kingdom is victorious, and that's evidenced in the resurrection of Jesus. But what happens when you, you believe that? You change your first love, and then if you're anything like me, man, sometimes I, I live in this new kingdom, I know the person of Jesus, but I fall back into my old way of living. Like, my identity is in Christ, and, and I know Jesus. I know him intimately. I, I love spending time with him. But every once in a while, I, like, go back to the things that I used to do. Well, that's okay. Because the Christian life doesn't start with belief. The Christian life is lived in belief. You enter the kingdom through belief, and we live in the kingdom the exact same way. The gospel isn't the diving board. It's the pool. Here's what I mean by that. The gospel is not the way we enter Christianity. The gospel is where Christianity is lived, that the kingdom has come near, that we can live in this new kingdom, that we can know the king of the kingdom. We live in that reality. I always need to remind myself of that reality. And so how do you know if you're a Christian? Do you desire that kingdom? Even just a little bit. Just a little bit. Man, I want to know God. I want to know Jesus. And I desire even the smallest little bit to be obedient. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I actually said the opposite. You don't need to clean yourself up to come into the kingdom. You're welcome into the kingdom right now. You just need to desire the things that God desires, even a little bit. And at Salt Company, we hear the good news of the gospel every week. This, this good news of Jesus, we talk about every week. Why? Firstly, I need it. Man, I need to be reminded of just how much Jesus has done for me, just how foolish my old life was, and just how glorious the new life that he offers me is. I need to be reminded of that, and I think you need to be reminded of that too. We need to be reminded of the gospel every week. And so the band can, can go, go ahead and come on up as I, as I close. We're going to look at just the last few verses of this, of this uh, story. Verse 28, 
And Peter, who's one of Jesus' close friends, said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. So what did Jesus' family and friends do? They gave up their homes, their families, their safety, their status, their security. They gave up their entire lives to follow Jesus. I'm all in. Let's see what Jesus says. Verse 29. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many more times in this time and in the age to come eternal life. You see, when we love Jesus, even just that little bit, when we love Jesus, it can sometimes feel like we're leaving the good life to get a worse life. But here's what I want, I want to tell you, is really we leave the worst life to get the good life. Eternal life can start right now in this place. Ask anyone who's followed Jesus for a little bit of time, and here's what they're going to say. It's worth it. And if they won't, I will. It's worth it. When we give up our old life to follow Jesus, you realize that that life you were living before wasn't even life. I didn't know what living was until I met Jesus, until I walked into his kingdom. So if you're a Christian, don't graduate from the gospel. I just want to invite you to come back, hear the good news that Jesus offers you. Know that it's worth it to follow him and continue to find ways to stir your affections for Jesus and his kingdom. If you're not a Christian, just I just want to invite you. You're welcome here. We talk about the good news of Jesus. We talk about believing in him. But man, if this is true, how cruel would we be to not, to not share that news with you? So I just want to invite you to come back. And maybe, maybe some of you were like shaken up today. Man, that's the first time I heard that maybe I'm not a Christian. I, I need some to do some wrestling. Like, I need to do some dig in my soul to find out what's true. Here's what, I'm, here's what I want to say. It's okay, but don't go back to the old way of living. It's just not worth it. Don't live for stupid things. Live for the ultimate thing, which is Jesus. Put your hope in this. Not that your life has been meaningless up to this point, but that your life in Christ can have ultimate meaning right now, that God has brought the kingdom here, that God has brought the kingdom near, that God has brought the kingdom into this place so that you might know him and experience life for the first time. Let's pray. Father, I, I confess that I am so quick to, uh, man, to go back to my old way of living, to think that that way of living was the good life, and I need to be reminded that the kingdom of God has come near, that you took death so that I could have life, that you took the, the cruelty of my kingdom so that I could have the glory of yours. God, would you help me to live differently? Would you help this room to live differently? And Father, if there's someone in this room that does not know you, man, would they put their faith in you? Would they see that your kingdom is victorious? That your kingdom is where they find ultimate purpose? That the longing of their soul is to know and love you and to live in the kingdom that you're inviting them into? And that they don't have to clean themselves up first, but that you're standing with open arms and saying, come, be a child, come to me. Father, would you help us respond in worship for all that you've done for us? In Christ Jesus' name.